Hey, Dawn. Welcome to the Leadership Podcast. I'm so excited to have you. How are you? Well, it's a beautiful evening in Santa Barbara, California. I bet it is. <laughs> I'm so jealous. I wish I was there. Come <laughs> for a visit. For sure. So how are you? How are you besides the weather being awesome as always? Yes. Well, you know, like everybody else, we're still living with Corona coronavirus and all that has and all of that that has disrupted our lives which of course has given rise to extraordinary opportunities and lots of self-reflection lots of um, missing our hugs and kisses and our friends and you know having physical contact with each other and dancing my daughter is a dj and She's been grounded and all her friends and all her fans are like, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> I know, like the other day I was talking to a friend and I said, you know, I am also, you know, a hugger. So I see people and I'm like, hey, how are you? You know, clearly from Brazil, right? That's what we do. We hug people, we kiss people. But now I'm like, oh, hi, I cannot even handshake, you know? So it's just like, hey, you know, elbow shake for you. But uh, Dawn, I wanted to, you know, learn from you. I know that you have 35 years of experience healing bodies and souls and hearts. So tell us, when did you start your career and how did you, what brought this spark on you to work with body wisdom and, and, you know, now writing a book. So give us like the big picture of how did you start and, you know, introduce yourself to our audience. All right. So Actually, it, it was in another moment in my life that was very much like this evolutionary moment we are all living now. In fact, I was living in Sao Paulo, Brazil, where I was um, a scholar of Brazilian literature and Portuguese languages. And I was a literary translator. And I was um, making most of my money by teaching English as a second language. Wow. Lots of business people in Sao Paulo. And, oh. And Rio. So I was in Rio for two years and then I lived in Sao Paulo for another nine. Wow. Two years in Rio and then nine years in Sao Paulo. And then even before that, when I was 17 years old, I was a Fulbright uh, fellowship exchange student to Ouro Preto in Minas Gerais. Oh my gosh, that's an amazing story. And actually, I've been to Ouro Preto, Minas Gerais, when I was working with our mutual friend, Ricardo. Oh, sweet. Yeah, yeah. I went to Belo Horizonte to, for a meeting, and then, you know, the folks were promoting the exchange programs in Ouro Preto. That's amazing. I didn't know you went to Ouro Preto for, for school also. Yes. So actually, I was in the last year of high school when I was on this program. And it was extraordinary. It changed my life in, in you know, who, who I am now began in that experience of Ouro Preto. Wow. And I'm deeply grateful for the amazing families and for the Rotary Foundation International and the Rotary Foundation of Brazil and Ouro Preto and Belo Horizonte also, because there were a whole bunch of us, there were like 35 of us. So some of us lived in Belo, some of us lived 
in Oro Preto and the towns around there, and to offer Americans a home experience living with a family gave us all, um, first of all, it gave us this unbelievably beautiful and safe and loving experience of what it is to learn a language in the culture where it's spoken. And you also learn other ways of living in the world that are different from America and that totally work as well. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and for me as an American girl, becoming a hugger was one of the great revolutions of my life. Because <laughs> I am naturally a hugger and kisser. But you know, here in America, we're not naturally huggers and kissers. Okay. And so I went through this really interesting um, learning curve of allowing people to look at me deeply and receiving somebody's gaze who was basically what in English we say checking me all out, which in English also is not always welcome and is not comfortable in the body. But I realized that the way the Brazilians did it, there was so much love and affection and they were looking for who you really are that after a while I finally relaxed. And, and then um, the hugs and kisses came naturally. And I guess what I want everybody to know is, you know, in Brazil, you go through a whole day, you get hugged and kissed all day long. All day long. It's so good. <laughs> so, so there's some research that shows that we all need um, 11 hugs or kisses or forms of physical affection to grow. No, we need four to grow. I'm sorry. We need four to maintain the, our mental and physical health um, at a reasonable level of wellness. Uh -huh. We need eight to grow and we need 11 a day to thrive. Wow. Brazilians double that number easily. <laughs> As you well know, I, we see each other here. If we were in physical presence, I would have given you a kiss on either cheek, right? Yeah. Um, and then when I, le I left, I would give you another kiss. So just between the two of us, we're already up four, right? <laughs> for sure, for sure. So then you, did you study like uh, massage in, in, uh, in Ouro Preto or Rio? Or how did you get to study that part? Right, so I lived in Ouro Preto when I was 17 to 18. And then I had a Fulbright fellowship, scholarship when I was doing my graduate work to Rio and I spent 18 months living in Rio doing research on 18th century women Brazilian writers. That was the beginning of my life as, a, as an academic and a scholar. And then um, as that year in Rio was winding down, two good friends of mine in Sao Paulo, including our mutual friend Ricardo Oliveira, well, and Carlos Robles, they said to me, why don't you move to Sao Paulo? you can continue doing all your writing and your research and you can teach English as a second language and make money and it, you don't want to go back to America. You love it here. And that was true. And so another beautiful experience that came from being an American in Brazil was to experience the generosity of two friends who just took me into their homes, gave me a place to sleep, helped me find a job, helped me get my green card, and, and that's why we're here talking today. Yeah, that's amazing. Fantastic story. So tell me, um, when you say, I'm very curious, um, when you study and, you know, you were in Brazil, you were in Rio, did you go to a specific um, 
program for, you know, to study massage and how, what is it that you study, Heiki or any other type? So what happened for me in Sao Paulo, once I'd moved to Sao Paulo, is everything that I told you came true. So I was teaching at the Alumni Association in Sao Paulo. I was doing literary translation. I had a fabulous group of friends. You know, we were all interested in meditation at the time. So I started to study meditation. And then one day I had what I jokingly call my first midlife meltdown. I woke up one day feeling like I was fat. And I just woke up feeling like I was fat. And I went into this total depression. I was looking at all these beautiful Brazilian women who were fit and fabulous into their 70s, 80s, and 90s. Yes. And then there's <laughs> And I'm thinking, oh my God, if I don't get this fat off, I'm going to die a fat, ugly old lady. And it took me into this terrible depression. And all the king's horses and all the king's men and the best doctors of both America and Brazil couldn't figure out what was wrong with Don. And um, what we now know is what I had was, is what's called body dysmorphia. Wow. And this, and this is really where my, my um, shift from being an academic whose work was mostly in the mind and in my creativity um, began to understand, wow, the body plays a part in all this that nobody's ever talked about. And so what happened was um, because none of the mainstream doctors could help me, a friend of mine, Enrique Schuchman, who's also a mutual friend of Carlos and, and Ricardo, and this is how beautifully social circles and social um, extended families and extended soul families take care of each other in Brazil, which was very a new idea for me as an American. Um, he said to me, you know, I think my friend Martha, who's a massage therapist, can help you. I think you should go see her. And I remember looking at Enrique and saying, what can a massage therapist do for me? Rub the fat off. <laughs> <laughs> but I was desperate. You know, I'd been to the best doctors and nobody could figure out why I was in such a terrible funk. So I went to Martha. And Martha Ferhas was her name. And um, she had a private practice like many integrative medicine people do now. But Martha in Brazil was a super pioneer of all these things. And- um, Sorry, I don't wanna cut you off, but what year was that? So that was 1972. Okay. And, um, you know, the bottom line here is there, is there was my life before I met Martha and there is the life that I've lived since then. That was how transformative this experience was. So what Martha said to me is, she said, I understand that mainstream medicine doesn't understand what, what is the source of your depression because they're not trained to look for those things. Western medicine is not always trained to look at the sources and the roots of all our illness. Um, but they are really great at other things. So she said, I'm gonna do what I do is a combination of massage and a kind of healing work that's similar to, to Reiki that you talked about, but was actually developed at the Pontifical University, Catholic University in Sao Paulo by a psychologist who understood that when we put very light touches on the body, in a, in a very intentional and present way, 
whatever is in the other than conscious part of ourselves starts to come up for healing. And so Martha's massages were a combination of Swedish Esalen massage, something that had been developed at Esalen called psychic massage. So in that sense, she was also reading the issues in my tissues because all of us have suffered um, early childhood trauma and ancestral trauma, which a lot of people are talking about these days. So we carry a lot of the pain and the burdens of our grandmothers, our great grandmothers, all the way back. And all the social circle and the extended families, all of our relationships. So her massage was designed to surface all this information. And then she sent me to a private spa in Sao Paulo that you only got to by word of mouth. It wow. was made, yeah, it was right at the entrance to the University of Sao Paulo. It was literally the two lots to the right of the bus stop that still exists there to this day. <laughs> and the woman who built this spa, her name was Erci. She was a German immigrant to Sao Paulo, but she had also studied in the United States in the beginning of the whole spa movement here in the States. At, wow. And she, she studied at Green Mountain Spa, which was in Vermont. And that was like one of the first weight loss um, programs in America. And then Ersi immigrated to Brazil and she had also studied with Joseph Pilates. And so she built a workout routine that she delivered in this spa that you only got to by word of mouth that had no sign on it, you know. Can we still go there now? <laughs> you know, every time I go back to Sao Paulo, I go and look, but Ersi seems to have disappeared. So, but her work lives on because there were so many of us that did it for so long the memory of the movements are all in our bodies. And so what happened for me, so was I would go to Martha once a week, I'd go work out twice a week. And then um, they both sent me to a nutritionist and an acupuncturist who started looking at, you know, the other physical and hormonal imbalances that were going on in my body. And um, I started to change my nutrition. So the combination of a new workout routine um, the massage and the and what we now call energy work and the learning how to eat for my for my physiology which now we have you know all kinds of information about the, the gut and the biome and how that's the second brain and if you use your food as medicine you also change how you think and feel um, back then we didn't have that science but we had all the empirical experience because we were all trying it out and it was working. <laughs> <laughs> That's an amazing story, Dawn. I had no clue that you had experienced so many different cities in Brazil and for quite some time. That's yeah. awesome. Very nice. So here you are, you go to Brazil, you study, you have all the experience. When did you return to the U.S.? So I actually started working as Martha's apprentice in Sao Paulo. So I began my, my career as a massage therapist in Sao Paulo, doing the work that, you know, what she did for me, I was like, oh my God, this is so amazing. I wanna do this for everybody else. Cause in that process, you know, I lost 40 pounds, my whole body reshaped. I had transcendental spiritual experiences. I had these great, this great boyfriend. And, and I realized that an entire life could change in 90 days or 180 days. And so I started working with her and I continued to do literary translation. And um, 
I did that for about 10 years until there was the first big economic crisis in Sao Paulo when inflation went to a thousand percent. And by that time, I, by that time I was married to a Brazilian guy um, who was a journalist at the time. He was the business and economics editor of East West Magazine, which in Brazil is basically the equivalent of Time and Newsweek. And our daughter was born in Sao Paulo. And then that, and, and you know, we were very happy there until inflation went to a thousand percent. And there we were, you know, a young couple with a new baby and we actually bought a piece of land to build on in Sao Paulo. And when inflation is at a thousand percent, you can't plan for the future. Yeah. And so we decided to try America. And my parents were very generous and good and all that. And they welcomed us. And my mother-in-law came along whenever she wanted to. So we had lots of family vacations in America, in Brazil, in Europe, in Canada. That's amazing. So then you started, uh, when did you go? You went to Boston and then you started working also as a massage therapist? Yes. You know, I, I had a private practice in Buffalo, New York. That was where my parents lived. And so I had a private practice there for about 25 years. And then when Ariana went to college, um, Ricardo and I decided to move to Boston. It would be closer to her, you know, because we knew, we knew that she was an artist type and that it was pretty likely she was going to end up in New York or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> New York, San Francisco. Uh, and, and so um, we moved to Boston. And then, yes, when she graduated from college, she went right to New York. She and a bunch of friends moved in together in Brooklyn and started um, throwing parties, which actually her career as a DJ began in Boston. Yeah, I actually think I follow her on Instagram. She's amazing. Um, congrats for a beautiful, beautiful person, a beautiful daughter that you have. So now you went to Boston, worked there 25 years. I know you're in California now. I think me and you, we kind of uh, passed through each other because when I I remember, I think I saw something on your website that you were relocating and you had a studio in, in Santa Barbara. And then I gave you a call, we connected, and I was returning to the East Coast. So how has it been uh, your time there in Santa Barbara? And I know that now you have some good stuff coming up. You're writing a new book. Talk to us about that. Yeah, yeah. So in Boston, one of the great things that I did in Boston was meet a lot of the researchers who were doing work around the body-mind connection and work around touch and why we need to touch each other and what are the benefits of touch. Um, the University of Miami School of Medicine up until very recently hosted um, the Touch Research Institute where Tiffany Field, who was the director there, led um, pioneering research on the effects of touch in helping preemie babies gain weight, helping couples reconnect to each other um, taking away back pain and neck pain. I participated actually in Buffalo on the first um, research study for massage to lower anxiety and depression in women who have ovarian cancer. So the Boston phase sort of brought me, brought together both that academic background I had and then the 25 years of clinical experience, you know, where I had, I was just hands-on all the time 
my youngest client was a, was a preemie baby who was born at seven months. And my oldest client so far was 104 years old. She was a nun when she died. Wow, that's amazing. So explain to, you know, uh, folks that are just joining the call now, um, what is the massage healing work that you do? So, so I was trained in massage, but as I worked with people, I began to understand there were many different layers of things happening with the body. You know, I began to understand that there, were, there are thoughts that we have that literally reshape our body. There are feelings that we have that control how we move and how we connect with each other. And then our spiritual beliefs nourish us or they don't. And so people, I noticed that people who had very deep faith or who, who had meditation practices or who, who were just totally into their creative side, they all had the same quality of flow that gave them a glow. And I began to ask questions like, well, how does that operate? Yeah. And so the more I asked questions, the more I did research, the more I reconnected with the people in Boston, and then a global group of people who are all body workers and what we now call somatic practitioners, which is basically somatics is the study of the body as the gateway to everything else. Okay. And, and, and what I came to understand is in every culture in the world, there, there is a medical science of hands-on healing, that we have all been born with the ability to heal each other with our bare hands, but it's not trained. It's like, it's a, it's a skill that we have that's atrophied. And so I began to craft a new approach, a new system where we evaluate, okay, here's what's going on in the body. Here's the physical symptom. So what does this person think about this? What's the story they're telling themselves about this? And then what's going on in their heart? You know, are they sad or are they angry? Are they joyous? Are they conflicted? And then, um, and then where is this person's connection to source, to their spiritual foundation? And that is actually all readable in the body. But it and you know, I, I, I experienced something like that, like uh, when you, like in California, right? I lived for a year in Santa Cruz and then I started doing yoga, right? But it wasn't like the yoga that I did in New York, right? It was a meditation yoga. It was um, church yoga. And I was doing probably four to five times a week along with the walks through the Pacific Ocean. So definitely, you know, I was just so excited, you know, just to be walking in the Pacific along, you know, uh, the West Cliff in Santa Cruz, where I lived like five minutes away. And I was excited because I wanted to see dolphins and I wanted to see whales and that, you know, I felt so excited and the glow and I was just things that I've never experienced because, you know, being from Cuiabá, Mato Grosso, Brazil, in the middle, you know, inland, there's no ocean, there's no water around. So it was a very different experience for me. And, you know, at the time, coming back to what you just said, that, you know, how is your heart, how is your soul, your faith? 
I was really sad. I was going through a, a challenge moment, you know, for myself. And I think, um, you know, definitely like California is the place to be for your type of work because the connection is just something about the people there and their faith and their, um, they're not rushing, right? They're not rushing like us here, you know, most of us, I'm not going to speak for other people, right? So I believe like the north uh, of Brazil by the beach is like near the ocean. Is the people, the vibration different than, you know, in Sao Paulo, for example? Yes, yes, it is. You know, like any place else, we all reflect the land we live on. And in the end, that was my biggest discovery as I built my bodywork system, which is called Body Wisdom. I began to understand the interconnectedness of all of life. And, and that each one of us reflects the ground that we literally walk on. And that is what gives rise to this beautiful variety of cultures that we have. And Brazil being huge like the US, has many regional cultures. And so I traveled all over Brazil and visited all of them, different songs, different, different healing modalities, um, different dances, different food, different tastes, different textures of clothing. Yes, yes, it's very beautiful. Excellent. And, and Brazil has a huge coast. So there are literally, what, 200,000, 200 miles of, of beach in Brazil, if I remember yeah. correctly. Something like that. I don't know the details exactly, but now I want you to tell me what is the date that you're going to launch the book and what is the book about? So the, the book is entitled uh, Coming Back to Our Senses, right? Right. So, so talk to us about it. So don't you think it's time? I think, I think <laughs> so. People need to realize, hello. <laughs> really, really. So, you know, We've got a global culture that's, that's uh, it doesn't work well for everybody. The environment that our physical bodies need to survive. What does a physical body need to survive? It needs, first of all, it needs to be welcomed into life by people who love the child. Um, it needs clean air. It needs clean water. It needs good food that's not polluted. It needs 11 hugs and kisses a day. <laughs> It needs me, this, a child needs meaningful work. And in order to do meaningful work, a child needs to be surrounded by extended family who love them, who see them, and then who train them, educate them to their natural skills. We don't, we, we, we do very little of this in modern culture here in America. So for me, coming back to our senses begins first and foremost Coming back to the really simple question, what does a body need to be well, truly? And what is a bot then even beyond that, what does a body need to thrive? And then how do we make public policy that supports everybody thriving, not just somebody? Because, you know, we've all in one way or another, whatever your spiritual lineage is, we've all, all promised to be our brothers and sisters keepers. And then yeah, I agree with, with, with your point. If we are here, we need to help each other, you know, and we have to surround ourselves, right, with positive people. Um, actually, I was talking to a friend of mine today, you know, like when she, she was telling me, oh, you know, 
I don't want to be negative or talking to people, but I said, you know, you can talk to me if you're having a bad day, just that day. I know you're not a negative person because I've known you for 10 years. So, you know, I think also, you know, the matter of the fact is some people, they just get too concerned of what other people are going to think, and then they don't live right their lives. So, you know, I'm very excited to read your book. Do you have like an estimate date when you're going to launch? You know, we're still working on that, but definitely sometime in the next six months. And actually what I'm, what I'm thinking of doing, so I'm wondering what your feedback and your listeners think about this, is I'm thinking of launching it one chapter at a time and then being able to teach people online like we're, we're doing now. Uh-huh. How to I like that. I like that idea. Actually, now I am a total like um, I, I love audible books because, you know, I listen to all my commute to work and I actually learn better. You know, I really I like I because I'm, I'm a listener. Right. I like to listen and I engage on that and, and I really enjoy. So I think that's a great idea. You know, obviously, you know, do you have like the first chapter that you can share or how people can download through your website? So I don't have I'm not ready to to share downloads of the written pages yet. OK, what everybody has access to on the landing page at www.donmariejordan.com is the fundamental exercise for learning how to tune into your body. And I call it a body check. Okay. So there's both a video download there and an audio download. It's free and, and I, will, I can walk you through um, how you do a body check. And the whole point of the body check, which some people call a body scan, just so you know, it's basically the same thing. It's to build the awareness of the world that begins at your skin and goes in. Mm. Most of our day, we're looking outward. But what, what um, the Body Wisdom Body Check does is turn your attention inside your body so you can really notice what are the thoughts going on? What are the feelings and the sensations happening in your body in this moment? Um, and once we have access to the inner world, to our senses, our feelings, our thoughts, we have a tool now to make the change that we all know needs to happen and wants to happen. And all you have to do is begin with you. You know, we have that beautiful line from Gandhi, be the change you want to see. So <laughs> how do you start? You start right here, right here, right here. Start with yourself, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and I'm going to be more and more available here online with you and however any of your listeners would like to um, continue with this project. I'm totally available to respond to that. And that's how we're going to develop it. And you're also, besides your website, you are on LinkedIn and you are also on Instagram, correct? Yes. Yes. What's your Instagram? Do you want to I share? Am, yeah, I am somatic coach. Should I type this in the screen share here for you? No, no, I, I can tag you. I can tag you. Okay. So somatic? Somatic underscore coach. Got it. And uh, if somebody want to book you to give, you know, 
virtual training for their staff? How do they do that? Yeah, you can either go to my LinkedIn page or if you go to my um, homepage, there's a contact sheet there and you can contact me directly through my website. Fantastic, um, fantastic. All speaking engagements. If you have groups that you want to bring me, you know, soon we'll be able to travel and I hope to be able to travel more. But in the meantime, we can do all of this virtually. Excellent. I can't wait to see you in DC and hug you and kiss you so much. I appreciate your time very much, Don. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm very, very grateful. It's been a pleasure to be here with you and all your listeners. I look forward to more interesting conversations about how we can all um, awaken the intelligence of our bodies, hearts, minds, and spirits. <laughs> I love that. Thank you so much. And until next time. Yep. See you then. See you Bye. then.